so they found that over those five years and those five titles who will remain nameless i don't want to shame them in any way you know if anything people are just doing their absolute best at the moment to get by but um there were uh, more flamingos on front covers than there were black women um which when i heard that stat i was just really shocked and uh felt a little bit vomity to be honest with you. I just thought, you know, we can't continue this way. Hey, I'm Finn Witcherly. I'm Facebook, Instagram and Pinterest's number one trainer in Scotland and expert speaker at the BBC on the digital economy, marketing and business sectors. I'm also the CEO of a successful digital agency that provides training, consultancy and management services to businesses around the globe. But it wasn't that long ago I was a homeless single mother of five children, struggling on benefits to put food on the table. Setting up a business wasn't a choice. It was the only thing I could do to make money and at the same time give my kids the support they needed. Fast forward past many mistakes, disappointments and setbacks and you can see the business I have today. One that transforms businesses and gives me more freedom than I ever thought possible. And one that only existed in my wildest dreams. I have created the Get Real Online podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you do the same. If you're an ambitious entrepreneur or one in the making who's looking to build your online sales machine, find your true voice and build a business with impact that you love, you're in the right place. Let's get started. And today I'm talking to Nikki Simpson, head of the International Magazine Center. And we're discussing the underrepresentation of ethnic minorities in the magazine sector. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm great. So where are you speaking from? Uh, So I am speaking from the metropolis that is Bilston, a tiny little village just outside Edinburgh. Uh, If you know where Ikea Roslyn Chapel is, then you know roughly where I am. It's it's got a kebab shop. That's all we need. (laughs) (laughs) And you've got all all, you've got all the kind of KFCs and all these uh, other kind of road road stop cafes up there don't you as well yeah i guess we could make our way that way if we wanted to but the kebab shop really does fulfill all our pizza and indian and kebab needs and it's, the secret it's, uh, cafe as well say again the secret cafe as well oh yeah i, th- I think that's probably closed at the moment but yeah, yeah. that's true so uh you're director of the magazine center tell me what what does that entail and what what is the, what are the aims and ambitions of the magazine center Yeah, so the International Magazine Centre is, uh, at the moment, just me working digitally online. Um, But eventually, the plan is to open a physical building dedicated to all things magazine. So I came up with this idea when I was working for PPA, which is the Trade Association for Magazine Publishers. Um, I was there for about five years. And right about the time that we had our really successful annual conference, MAGFest, we sold out on tickets that year, it was about the same time as the Scottish referendum. And it also coincided with one of our members opening a New York office. So they'd started off as a team of two working from their kitchen in Glasgow. And then they'd opened, they'd they'd gone to around 50 people working from their Glasgow office, opened an office in London, grown to a similar size, and now we're opening in New York. And they've since gone on to open in San Francisco and in, uh, I think the next place that they're planning anyway is somewhere in India. 
Um, it's the drum, incidentally, if you um, want to know. Anyway, so I thought, well, if publishers are doing that from Scotland, going abroad and opening little um, offices abroad, then there must be other publishers abroad who are interested in coming to the UK to do the same. Um, but we'll automatically go to London because, of course, London's the centre of the universe. So um, why not create something that would actually attract them to come to Scotland and um, give them support and have uh, freelancers on, on tap working in the same building, other publishers in the same building, all of whom can help them out with our local customs, with suppliers, with recommendations on what to do and what not to do etc and then alongside that we want to have incubator space events on magazine publishing both for the publishing industry and for consumers uh amazing magazine shop coffee shop because you know you can't go through a day without cake at the moment <laughs> and uh and exhibitions on magazines amazing would you say that scotland um you know, holds its own in the magazine publishing kind of space? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the biggest publisher here, and the one that most people have heard of is DC Thompson. So they publish titles like The People's Friend, which last time I heard still had a circulation of 190,000 a week. Um, alongside other publications like The Beano, for example, is one of their most famous ones. Um, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, there are uh, literally hundreds of publishers ranging from one-man bands working from home right through to people like The Drum, for example, who have, are a multinational now. They're amazing. And, and tell me, how are they all faring during this time? Because I know from the local journalists here in Edinburgh, they're absolutely toiling. Nobody's going out and buying anything in particular unless it's to the local supermarket. All their, lo all their usual habits and haunts are, you know, not happening. So journalism is really, really toiling. How's, how's it, how's it, how can, how, get the words out. How's it ha happening for the magazine publishing area? So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a really tough time. And there are some publishers who've had to close, um, most significantly Associated Media in South Africa has closed altogether. And that was a major blow for the publishing industry, certainly in South Africa and the world, in my opinion. So they, they published titles like Cosmopolitan. I mean, they're a massive publisher, but they rely on newsstand sales and all those newsstands are closed at the moment so just you know impossible to get their magazine out there but then there's other publishers who are doing really well so I know a title called Positive News has seen their web traffic double and their subscriptions triple since the coronavirus has hit so a lot of people are experiencing a rise in subscriptions which is great and then there's others who are also really struggling so for example free distribution people who uh, have their magazines left in pubs and cafes and so on you know obviously all those pubs and cafes are closed it's just a really difficult time for everybody I think but yeah it's um just keep keeping on I guess and basically get just keep keeping on being online essentially because those who have got a very very strong presence online are the ones who are going to be the ones that survive well, the, the ones that are have a lot of news around the coronavirus as well have a lot of action still on their website. So if they're just online and their and their revenue streams is through are, are through advertising, then and they've got a lot of coronavirus uh, stuff to talk about, then that's fine. But if, for example, you're in the fashion industry, you know that's difficult, and you're not going to get a lot of traffic because everybody just goes on the internet to see what the next news is about coronavirus. You know, so what can you do? Yeah, tough times. It's really tough. So tell us about the, the ethnic minority position and uh, all the other minorities, because obviously you're concerned about the lack of ethnic minority or other minority representation within the magazine publishing. What, what is the problem there? 
So yeah, so we, um, I attended an event in September last year as part of the Edinburgh International Magazine Festival, where there was uh, a research paper presented from um, a woman called Ivana Abel, who's uh, works at the University of Derby. So she'd done some research alongside a uh, Brazilian counterpart working from Brazil on the Brazilian and uh, UK women's magazine market. They looked at five different titles aimed at the middle-aged um, women's market in both countries and they looked at them over five years to see what the representation was of minorities. So they found that over those five years and those five titles who will remain nameless, I don't want to shame them in any way, you know, if anything, people are just doing their absolute best at the moment to get by. But um, there were uh, more flamingos on front covers than there were black women, um, which when I heard that stat, I was just really shocked and uh, felt a little bit vomity, to be honest with you. I just thought, you know, we can't continue this way. So the research paper went on to uh, say that actually there was no representation at all from anyone transgender, nobody at all um, from a, uh, with a visible disability and nobody pregnant. So it, for me, it's not even a matter of uh, the representation of minorities, but they're just the representation of real people. You know, I think that a lot of publishers have really made strides in that area, but in general, there is uh for fashion or for women's magazines the people on the front cover tend to be white cisgender skinny um able-bodied people and that's not a representation of society so uh we're just trying to kind of come up with ways to actually reach out to publishers and and give them the confidence to take risks to to put other people on those front covers and we're trying to connect with consumers as well to try and encourage them to write to the magazines that they love and encourage them to do so and you know affirm that they will continue to buy those magazines if they happen to put real people on the front covers um, and also we're creating a training course, a low barrier to access training course to get people who are in minorities or who have care responsibilities or who basically who just can't afford to go to university or who can't afford to spend thousands of pounds on training to um, take a training course and have a qualification and therefore go and work in the media. And the, you know, the basis behind all this is, is really quite simple. You know, it's the same conversations we've been having for a long time about um, representation on boards from women. You know, if you have a 50-50 split, men and women, you will come up with a broader range of ideas and therefore a broader range of solutions to any problems that you're facing. And it's exactly the same situation with anybody from minority. If you have a broader range of, or a diverse range of people on a board or in decision-making uh, positions, you will come up with a more diverse selection of uh, problem solving. And again, on the front covers of those magazines, if you've got people working in your business, then you will have more more diversity on your front covers. It's difficult to write about um, issues of of race or issues of uh, disability or whatever if you're not one of those people. You're one of those people yourself. So people need to be invited into those publishing houses and given the confidence to be able to do that. Yeah, I think it's particularly tricky in Scotland because I mean we tend to be uh, overly white in this particular in this country. And it's quite, it is particularly difficult to get uh, that diversity in the workforce. There needs to be a lot more effort 
from companies across the board to be able to not just encourage people coming into the industry, but also to see that there's not going to be a glass ceiling that there has been for women, for example, for hundreds of years. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, in the same sense, the if people say to me, well, um, I, you know, I put out an advert for, um, for a job, and I get 10 really overqualified men applying and one woman and she's underqualified. So I'm going to hire a man, even though they've got too many men on their board already. What I would say is, well, then you're just being a little bit maybe lazy because, okay, yes, you're short on time, but headhunters are out there. You can headhunt these people. You can go and find these people. And that has a positive effect on your business bottom line. It's not just about doing it for the sake of it. It has a positive effect on your bottom line so that to me negates the cost of that headhunting yeah we've got a question here from Jin who's uh, who's going to be one of speaking in a minute uh, she's asking uh, if it's about front covers or is it to do with content also just having a black Asian minority ethnic on the front cover is not really enough is it no not at all and I saw that was another part of the research they'd, they'd seen a publication in America talking about I think it was New York Fashion Week I was trying to find the presentation earlier and I couldn't find it. But they had a woman who, a black woman, uh, who was uh, really prevalent in the New York scene, in the New York fashion scene. They had her on the front cover and it was all New York Fashion Week, da da da. But then they got in there. They didn't name who the cover star was or even speak about the woman. So it was all about all the other stuff that was going on. It's just crazy. But then, I mean, I'm coming at it from a Scottish perspective as well. And I was speaking to somebody yesterday who was saying to me that his uh, wife is black and she's American and in America it's a different scene there here there's an expectation that there should be a kind of um one of a better word whitewash of everybody's uh individuality almost so it's 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 you know everybody's individual everybody's wonderful that's the kind of perspective that we have here whereas in america there's still a lot of segregation and there is still a lot of kickback people saying i don't want to team up with these people i don't want to be around these people and that that's i mean i mean that's a massive societal issue that obviously i'm not really in a position to try and change but i do feel like we can have these conversations start trying to just get people talking about it you know yeah so i mean it's it's a it's a tricky one because obviously sometimes the expectations can be quite low as well i mean i know that there's a lot of campaigns around getting uh diversity for just women into businesses and senior management and into the boards and the objective is 30 percent but uh it doesn't make sense to me to have 30%. It should surely be an objective to hit 75%. And at least we might get close to 50%. Yeah. I mean, I saw a presentation, uh, a really good presentation, in fairness, from a guy who was talking, he was from the BBC, and he was talking about how they're going for 50-50 across all of their broadcasting, which is great. I mean, really, you know, fantastic, good on them. But it transpired that a lot have come a lot of conversation had gone on about this obviously by the women in the organization but it only really people only actually stood up you know sat up and took any notice when he got behind it and that oh, makes my blood boil <laughs> but i suppose i feel like well uh if if people are listening then fine do you know what i mean as long as it we get to that point that we just need to get there yeah, and I, I think one of the kind of structural and systemic problems is that a lot of people are not necessarily aware of their racism as well. 
So in the sense that they might not necessarily be a kind of hateful person or being anybody who would deliberately go out their way to stand in somebody else's way who's got talent. However, their notion of superiority or cultural superiority is what they would consider the norm, uh, acceptable norm for the majority of people. And therefore, anybody that doesn't meet that kind of superiority of, uh, of uh, uh, values or look or appearance or lifestyle or even religion uh, somehow just just goes under the barrier for them yeah for sure and I think that a part of that is human nature but I think that certainly the media has a massive effect on that so I think if you continue to be presented with the same kind of imagery over and over and over that does start to have an effect on your own psyche and how you perceive people and if you don't see your rep yourself represented on a magazine what is essentially perceived as what success and beauty should look like on that front cover then that has, has an effect on your own self-perception as well and again I'm not just talking about ethnic minorities but any minority or for that matter any person that doesn't see themselves as beautiful or doesn't see themselves as beautiful as a woman on a front cover of a magazine, which is just ridiculous. We talk so much about mental health well-being and, and about how, uh, you know, how you should be just comfortable in your own skin, you know, but then we present these fabulous images of, of women who admittedly aren't being photoshopped like they used to be, which is awesome. There, there are strides happening but I think we just need to maybe move a bit faster. So would you say that there's been a big impact with uh, the new Vogue editor, Vogue UK editor, Edward Edelin? Yeah, yeah. Have, has there been a big impact in the, in the fashion industry with his appointment? Yeah, there has been, I think. And I think a, a big impact just in that he's been putting uh, lots of minority content in the magazine, which is fantastic, but just him as a figurehead as well. That's, got a, that's definitely got a lot of weight behind it, yeah. Amazing, amazing. So tell us, uh, how are, are gonna, people going to be able to uh, get hold of you if they want to find out more about the schemes that you're involved in or how to be able to access the more information about what you do? Yeah, so you can have a look at our website, internationalmagazinecentre.com. You can email me, Nikki, that's N-I-K-K-I. You can see it on my little profile picture, N-I-K-K-I, at internationalmagazinecentre.com. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all over my website. So um, yeah, just drop me an email. I'd love to speak to anybody who's interested in, in magazine publishing, in uh, the underrepresentation of minorities in the media, in, uh, you know, talking to us about our training course or being involved in our training course. It'd be great to speak to anybody who's, yeah, who wants to be involved. Amazing. Well done for the initiative as well. And if anybody's passing through Bilston, obviously, Nikki will be here. <laughs> <laughs> we're opposite the kebab shop <laughs> yeah. brilliant thanks very much nikki okay oh, i just wanted to say as well sorry finn you asked if there was anything that we could offer anybody who's listening today yep. so uh we're doing a little uh thing on facebook at the moment called my favorite magazine which is just two minute videos of people recording why they love their magazine uh why they love their favorite magazine why magazines are important to them why you know anything they like really have a look on our facebook page um, I'd just like to say if anybody would like to do a video for me, especially women, I know that there's hundreds of women on here. Um, if you'd like to do a video, just send it to me and uh, I'll give you a free ticket for a, an event of your choice once, for, once, um, once lockdown's finished.
Amazing. And does it have to be an online magazine or can it be a, a physical one? Because I can't remember the last time I bought any of those physical magazines or newspapers. It can be either or. It makes absolutely no odds. Brilliant. Okay. Oh, thank you so much, Nikki. That's been brilliant. Thank you Thanks so much. Thanks for welcoming me, Finn. It's really nice to be here. There's another episode coming along next week. Make sure you subscribe to the Get Real Online with Finn Witchley podcast so that you can get notifications of all the episodes coming your way. And while you're there, don't forget to leave a quick review. I always give people a shout out on each episode so it can help with your marketing and publicity a lot. Your review will also help massively to let other people know where to find the good stuff online. That way, we are all helping each other to build better businesses and local economies for the future and for our children. I'm so pleased we had a chance to spend this small amount of time together. But if you don't want to wait until next week and to make sure you don't miss it, come on over to the Get Real Online with Finwitchley Facebook group to chat with others about this episode. There are even some extra exercises for you to do to make sure you get real and take real action on today's podcast action points. I can't wait to hook up with you again. See you next week. Cheerio bye.